Hello, K2H. I love this work because it gets a chance to meet people from all over the world that you don't normally get to meet and to learn about people and how it opens up your perspective on the world. And today I've got this coolest uh, guest who is a stunt woman. I mean, how many stunt women do you know? I, well, actually I have stories and I wanna share it with this lady, but let's introduce her first. I'm so excited to have Melissa Kelly with us today. Melissa just finished her most recent acting stunt role in the 15 Emmy award-winning show, of course you know it, season four of Handmaid's Tale, playing alongside Elizabeth Moss and Ann Dowd. That is one of my favorite shows, hands down. Uh, Melissa has experienced fire burns. Okay, yeah, you're hearing it right. Fire burns, stair falls, jumping off moving trains. Sound like a Jackie Chan movie? I'll get back to that <laughs> later. Hard hits and much more. Attending stage combat classes with John Steed, Steve Wilshire, and Dr. Kara Wooten at the Academy of Dramatic Combat and Acting Classes at Second City. So Melissa grew up in a small town of Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia, where she is right now. And we're talking virtually, but we are connecting here in the Aloha Islands with the energy across the oceans. And so I'm very excited. Uh, Melissa, welcome to K2H. Oh, thank you for having me today. And just to clarify, I'm in Toronto currently. So oh, okay. I'm up in Cape Breton Island, but I am living in the big city of Toronto just because there's more film work here. But um, I'm always welcoming the vibes from Hawaii as it's like my second home so I why is it your second home tell us a little bit about your connection to here oh my god um my first trip was probably nine or ten years ago and the minute I stepped foot on that island I felt like I had everything that I needed it just is such a nourishing connecting high vibe place where everybody is so kind and generous and just the island just seduces you with the colors and the smells and it's just it's my favorite place on the planet did you grow up with any kind of island life or were you around the sea? Is it something that connected you as a child? I definitely, yeah, I was born, uh, so born in Newfoundland, which is an island, and then moved to Cape Breton Island at six months, which is also another island. So I am an island baby for sure. So I spent the first 18 years of my life in a small village with 3,000 people. Um, and so very acquainted to the island life, I would say. <laughs> 2,000 people, did you say? Yes. So that's pretty special. Do you want to let, let's go to your little bit of your childhood because I want to, you know, feel how these things shaped you and how you ended up becoming a stunt woman, which we'll get to later. But um, growing up in a small village up in Nova Scotia, tell us a little bit about that life. What does it mean to live in a, you know, a small community? A small community, basically, um, it's like being raised by a village. Everybody knows you like every person that I've ever seen the first 18 years of my life, I knew. And that created a very huge safe of like a feeling of comfort and safety constantly. You know, I never felt like I was in danger or I ever had to worry because I always knew everybody that I seen, you know, everybody takes care of you, like your family. And it's just a very, it's much like the Aloha vibe, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, that everybody has your back and you just feel very supported and loved. And uh, at the same was, time, were you ab not able to do things like you'd always get caught at the <laughs> well I'm glad we didn't we didn't need Facebook back then to get caught for sure but I'm glad we didn't have it back then because we were always getting into trouble because there was nothing to do so you always had to create your own fun you know what does that mean like to, can, give me an example of what a rebellious fun thing was to do as a teenager or a young or a, a young adolescent you know what as a young adolescent we used to do crazy stuff like in the winter time we would have like our full snowsuits on and we'd climb up um evergreens and like fall down from the top in between the branches and let the branches catch you like that was just 
that some was random some... stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that was some random stuff that we would do, right? We're just we're just always getting up to some kind of trouble. So you were climbing trees and just doing things out in nature all the time. That was just like your daily yeah. life, constantly. Yeah. So do you think that that's a part of leading to your, you know, your your passions for doing crazy stunts, or is that your personality? What do you? I mean, do you think that how did it all carve you into the space you are in today? Well, it's funny. I, I excelled a lot in drama class and I excelled a lot in arts, like a, sorry, um, gym class. So anything that was physically active, I had a little bit of a, a harder lifestyle with growing up with addictions in my, in my family. And so part of me kind of finding that, that solace within myself was through dance, through getting into my body, through, you know, working out or going to, um, going to my classes, like two hours every day after school to do that physical activity to like, you know, strengthen my mind and my body to like not have so much stress constantly, you know, on my mind. Mm. So it was kind of like your, your channeling of your energies through all these kind of creative classes that you discovered. Yeah, I think in the beginning, it kind of started off kind of as a survival technique, right? And to keep mm. myself grounded. And then over time, it just became the way that I breathe in life, you know, I needed I needed that to feel good and to express myself. Did you ever go into theater then? Because of all the stage combat training? You know, and theater was not my calling. I just, I never really felt like I wanted to be the center of the stage and, and to be, it's just not my personality to be like that. I think that's why I really kind of gravitated towards stunts is because I love expressing myself for my body, but you're always behind the scenes for the most part. You're like behind, um, you know, you're the back of someone's head or you're often not even, people don't even know that you're in that scene, right? You're supposed to make it look like the actor is doing it, so... Yeah, interesting. I mean, I had my one taste of stage combat class here at UH in the theater department, and it was so fun. It was a Shakespeare stage combat class, and um, there's so much art behind it. I mean, that's just like, and it boils down to very simple things. And I thought it was just so fun and brilliant to think that a slap of something, you know, like, I mean, this was theatrical. It's nothing like the real stuff you do, but, you know, the idea of, of I don't remember, just like slapping something hard, the, the impact of looking like you were slapped and thrown off, those kind of um, movements we take for granted when we look from the audience perspective of what's happening on stage or on screen, right? We just don't know what, how it's, the illusion is created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is that something that you, like, did something inspire you to, to discover this way of um, movement? God, well, it just, it was just fun. It was yeah. so much fun for me to play, to play and have this like, I don't know, like emotional expression and aggressive expression that was safe and fun. And you could laugh about it afterwards. And yeah. You know, like the selling the hit is like, that's really what it's about is the camera angles and selling the hit emotionally, right? So you're not actually slapping someone, but you it's just the right timing and the camera angle. Right, right, right. So you're breaking down all that stuff in the camera. So let's move into films. So The Handmaid's Tale, I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about um, how that all, like which, were you own specific persons, stunt woman or... Uh, were you different people depending on the need on the set? Yeah, so I've been different people along the years. So I got to, um, I was blessed to step in for uh, doing the stunt for Aunt Lydia for when she went over the railing in season two. I don't know if you yeah, remember that. I scene. do remember that, yes, yes. Yeah, there was uh, me and another girl, Nova. We, we both coordinated on that, another stunt girl who, who normally doubles for her. Um, and then what happened was at the end of season three, I was one of the people carrying her 
um, in the woods and they asked if I would come back as a reoccurring character. Um, so then it turned into an acting role slash stunt later. Good. And, and then we filmed that. I was blessed to film that all throughout 2020, except for the, obviously the pandemic break that we took, but it was the oddest show to be on during a pandemic, <laughs> you know? So they continued filming normally during the pandemic? Well, we, well, we stopped, we stopped at the end of March. Um, and then we continued, I think it was the end of September or sometime September, October, we started filming again and then we're, we were full force. Wow. Wow. So that was great for you to be able to work during the pandemic, right? I mean, there's always that part of it, but uh, absolutely. Well, the film is like the busiest it's ever been right now. We are booming everywhere. Wow. That's, mm. that's okay. Well, that's good. I mean, that's, you know, cause there's so much negative news out there in terms of what's being put out there. So that's great to know. Um, can we go back to the falling down the stairs thing? I'm just thinking, can you just break <laughs> it down for us? Like, what does that mean? I mean, that is so crazy. What does your mom think about you doing this crazy work? And, and how do you break down the safety measures of allowing yourself to fall down the stairs for work? <laughs> Well, the main thing for me when it comes to falling down the stairs is keeping your head tucked in as close to your chin as possible. So your head is safe. Um, and then it's paying attention to how your body lands on each step on the way down. So you can recreate it a second time, every time or 20 times, depending on how many times the director wants you to do it. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to my mom, I usually don't tell her what I'm doing until it's done <laughs> because yeah. Oh yeah. Especially like the fire burn. Like I just, I, basically what I did is I showed her the, you know, the 40 minute video of me getting ready before I showed her the video of me set on fire, just so oh she can kind of have an idea of how it works and not like have a heart attack watching the video. Yeah. What's the and most some stuff they don't want to watch? <laughs> well, oh, of course, I'm a mom, I would hate to think about, you know, anyway, I, I have my stories too, but let's not go there. Um, but what is the most dangerous stunt you've ever done? I would say the fire burn for sure. Yeah. Well, you scared for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I think, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say scared. It was adrenaline. Like it definitely felt adrenaline, but it's kind of like a mix of adrenaline meditation. You, you kind of don't have room to be fearful. <laughs> like you want to do a good job. So you care about what you're doing, but when it comes to um, a fire burn, you want to be completely present and in your body because you're the person that's going to tell them when to put you out. So you have to just let them know when it's too hot or when it's enough because you have, you have fire gel on. Um, and you have, depending on what your clothing is, you have like the protective uh, clothing underneath, no max, but um, it, when it's on your pure skin, if it's just the gel, once that rubs off, like you can, you can get burned. So you just need to be completely present with yourself and feel every part of your body as it's happening and just pay attention. And the weirdest thing is sometimes even taking direction while you're on fire is <laughs> like the last thing you would ever think of doing reactively when your body is, you know, if you were going to be set on fire is to be like, okay, well, you want me to turn what way? And like, oh my do what gosh. you know, that sounds so crazy. <laughs> I can't even believe you do this for a living. Okay, so my two cents in the stunt world, because I mentioned it before, Jackie Chan, because I worked with some Jackie Chan films when I was living in Hong Kong. And there That's was this amazing. one film um, called Police Story, but Police Story 2, the one I was in, um, the main actress, Maggie Cheung, she got injured uh, during one of the scenes, like this big metal bar fell and you know she split her head and she was out for a few days. So I was kind of like this real young grad. I was there doing nothing, kind of hanging around the sets, kind of looking for trouble. So I kind of by default became her stunt woman for some of the scenes because they needed to continue filming. 
That's and so badass. I love it. <laughs> and so I understand like trying to do certain things that I wasn't um, meant to do, but I didn't have the training. So they had this huge explosion scene. There was this, like the climax at the end and this heat came in and there was the end of the scene. They had nine cameras rolling and they needed me as Maggie Chang's double, I guess, to enter the scene and, and embrace Jackie Chan. And the heat was so strong when you talk about your fire that I, I just froze. I didn't want to go in. I could feel it coming to me. And so mm -hmm. I, I froze and I was behind the camera and because all these cameras were rolling, somebody pushed me <laughs> to the shot. <laughs> and then yes. it's just like running, running, running. And then I went over and like hugged him. And I was like, oh my God, this is so scary. So just even a taste of being um, in a place where you are exposed to potential high risk, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that you do that all the time, I mean, is that in itself a kind of a drive for you? Is there something in your, your personality that's driving for something that's, that's, you know, pushing yourself to beyond excitement, a challenge, a personal challenge? What is it? Mm, I think it is definitely a personal challenge and it's definitely a mind over body, you know, thing that happens when you, you can override your natural senses to want to run the other direction or you know, like your everything in your instinct should say, I don't want to walk into a fire or a hot place. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's normal. Like your reaction was super normal. And that's how most people would and should react. Right. But I think that's when it comes to some people, it's like they can override that, that natural body instinct and still be able to be coherent enough to perform and do whatever is asked of them, which kind of makes it takes it to another level. So I, I don't yeah. know if it's, if we're just born this way, um, you know, I know it, it must be a, a part of it, right? Because you have yeah. to have some inner, it's not just training. There's something inside you that has that kind of capacity to do that. What about training then? I mean, is there something you obviously have to be kind of really on top of things, very sensitive to lots of reactions? Is there certain things that you do to train yourself for anything? There's lots of different things that I do to train. It just depends on what. Um, what is needed and what the stunt is, you know, like there's the everyday training that you can do, which is like the martial arts and the weight training and the break right. fall classes and the fire training. And, but then there's also the mental aspect of it, um, where you can do, teach yourself to do breath works and like, you know, cold baths and, and just keep expanding your, your mental strength to kind of override, um, your own limitations, your own, even mental limitations. Cause some stunts that I do aren't necessarily physically hard, but they're mentally hard. Yes. I think that's more important. You know, you have to have control of that side and that amount of focus and that takes mm -hmm. training. And that leads me to um, actually what we should do is take a quick break. And when we come back is to talk about this work that you're doing outside of your stunt work, your, your magazine, you have this uh, magazine called Fierce Feminine Rising, which is a really cool name. You have a website, you have a podcast and you are, um, you know, creating space to talk about uh, and celebrating women, strong women, or whatever that means, you know, a fierce woman, and also having space to look at some very uh, deep and soul searching elements, you know, as women, uh, and, and talking about balance and nature and connection to so many things. So if you don't mind, we'll take a quick break. If you are just tuning in now, I am talking to Melissa Kelly, who is a stunt woman, but also a brilliant uh, creator of this online magazine called Fierce Feminine Rising. And we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about her magazine and all of these, the feminist ways that you create your space. I look forward to it. 
Welcome back. I am talking here with Melissa Kelly, who is a stunt woman and the creator of a magazine, online magazine called Fierce Feminine Rising. And Melissa is speaking to us all the way from Toronto right now. So thank you for joining our uh, Aloha space and uh, for sharing your energies from where you are to us. You're wearing a leather jacket and I'm wearing a tank top. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm in Canada? <laughs> How is life over there, by the way? Let's kind of go back. Like what's what's going on in Toronto right now? Oh, my. We have been in the longest lockdown, I think, on the globe. Yeah, oh. the, especially I know for sure the restaurants have won first place on the planet for being locked down. There's, we've had no outdoor dining um, for almost a year. Wow. No gyms. Yeah, it's been a serious no. lockdown for a very long time. It, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. And you've been traveling. So you're in quarantine. How long do you have to quarantine for? Uh, 14 days. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and but you're quarantining at home right exactly yeah so it's still okay because I, I wanted to go back to Hong Kong to visit and it's a three-week quarantine but you have to go to a designated hotel and I don't know if I would be able to survive three weeks in a little room um you know not doing anything I just don't know <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably be punching down walls well I, well I feel like I have a year experience at this point so <laughs> true you know? <laughs> yeah, it's funny how we've all acclimatized to a certain kind of a, a you know, just, we're, we're so good at adapting, you know, I'm so used to doing my like yoga in my living room now, uh, without having to go to a studio <laughs> that I, I can't even imagine going to the studio for a real class. It's just I too know. weird. I know it's bittersweet for me because I, I like learning to work out at home and doing different routines at home, but I also very much miss the gym. <laughs> so back to your training, I know we'll get to your magazine, but back to your training, like how do you do that on in lockdown? Are you just, do you do it with somebody virtually or you just do it for yourself? You have such discipline. A little little bit of both. Yeah. So I, um, as far as like dance classes go, I'll actually take zoom dance classes and stuff. But as far as the training, I've had to, I've had to purchase a lot of different weights and home sets to do. Uh, I have a, thankfully a large private balcony that I can work out in and, and figure it out. So, okay. Yeah, it's been, it's been challenging, but it's been okay. It's a good learning process for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, that's challenges are good. It builds character and it builds strength. Right. So speaking Absolutely. of strength, this, this magazine, all about fierce women. Tell me about that. How did this all start? And what was this all about? So the name of the magazine is War, Fierce Feminine Rising. And I created it about three years ago. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And it became, it came into birth through, I was doing like a, a casting call for Fierce Feminine Goddesses. And I wanted to take a picture of women and goddess style looks and tell their story of what made them fierce. And I ended up getting such an overwhelming response, like over 500 women sending me all these stories. And what, what ended up happening was a lot of the stories were overcoming trauma. And um, a lot of them were saying how amazing it felt just to be heard and to write it down and how healing that was. And it, what it did is it sparked something inside of me to want to create this space for women. I was like, they need this. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I need to create it. So I self-taught myself how to create an online magazine. Wow. Um, yeah. The first six months were just, you know, not floundering around, but like figuring it out, you know, like doing a lot of um, online searches and like figuring out how to put together and create the templates and find the women. And, and um, eventually it ended up, into a subscription-based magazine, which is, comes out on the full moons to help women honor their moon cycle. And we have, yeah, we have lots of really amazing women that tap in and either share their magic, their medicine, or their story. And it's a really nice way for women to share, but also other women to feel like they're not alone and connect with each other. 
And it's interesting that you mentioned the moon cycle because uh, recently I did an interview with um, a few gals here in Hawaii and um, a big part of the talk was trying to make it a moon circle, you know, like a woman's circle and celebrating our connection to the moon and, and the earth. And uh, one of the uh, guests is this indigenous, I don't know what the name of the practice she uses, but she, she um, creates these spaces for people during the menstrual cycle to come together and they do these very spiritual practices. And, um, you know, this idea of this, this indigenous way of connecting our bodies to the earth and even um, our fluids, we're talking about fluids and mm. it's just so beautiful. And I think that in our modern world, we get so detached from our connection to the earth that we need to bring it back. And some people think it's this Western notion of just modernity that's away from that earth stuff, but it, it's not, you know, there's something missing. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. I, I, there's something we need to come back to that the reason why things are crumbling around the world has to do with this. It's a deep remembering of who we are and how connected we can be to ourselves and source energy and each other. We've definitely lost connection. Um, with all the social media and all the distraction that we are constantly surrounded by, you know, we're, we're so much stressed, so much more stressed and there's so much more busy and in this constant state of, you know, fight or flight. And um, there's something so epically powerful about taking the time to connect with yourself every day before you start your day with intention and cultivating your energy and intention for the day, as opposed to just waking up, rolling out of bed, grabbing a coffee, and then being affected by everything that's around you because you're kind of exhausted and running on empty. And the ironic thing about your uh, magazine is that it's online, right? And we use online and it's kind of like this place that distances us from our connections of things, but at the same time brings us to draw, like I am connected to you now mm. with the beauty of, of, of virtuality. And so it's a really mixed bag, isn't it? This Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This connectivity. And I think it's about learning balance and, and you know, um, kind of putting what, whatever intention you have when you put yourself out there. You know, if you notice that you're scrolling on Facebook for way too long, maybe like set a certain boundary or get an app on your phone to have it turn off at a certain time of day, but mm. do things with intention. You know, it'll, it'll definitely shift things energetically for you. How do you think the younger generation can train themselves to do that when they get so lost or consumed by that and not having the proper guidance to, I mean, I think they're aware of that kind of obsession, but there's no self-control in it, you know, because you're in that ocean of everything kind of, the tide is too strong with all those forces. I worry about it for sure. Um, I hope that there's enough people out there that are awake to it, that are willing to help teach and teach the younger generation, as well as even some of the people in the younger generation that are awake enough to be like, hey, like we're turning into these like zombies that are addicted to like all the likes and the hits. Like, how can we, how can we shift this and get back to what matters? You know, like, I think the younger generation is realizing like our future is pretty gloomy at the moment with the way things are going and you know, how the population is constantly growing and it's just, things need to shift in a major way. So how do you think your magazine has that responsibility or, or power to shift things? I think it is a reminder for self-love and self-care and for deep connection within yourself first. And then 
remembering that deep connection to mother earth and our other sisters you know getting rid of the wounded feminine where women think that they need to be in competition with each other and you know or comparison has a lot of another reason why i created the magazine was because every magazine that i seen out there was just basically creating this lack for you to feel so you'd be in constant consumer mode and i just got mm -hmm. really tired of looking at that and I was like, this is not the way, you know, like people, I want people to exhale after they read my magazine. I like that. That's a really nice thought. Um, the idea of exhaling, though, is something that how do we, you know, how, how do we train ourselves to do properly? You know, we can talk about yoga breaths, but to apply that in life, how would you say that kind of transfers? by with intention being mindful and creating that space for yourself it can be even just five minutes but if you do it in the morning say if your alarm's at nine o'clock can you set your alarm for 8 55 and know those five minutes are just for you hmm. to focus on you before you get out of bed and start your day and your routine it actually does create a massive shift because you're learning how to focus on yourself first and then give from a place of overflow oh that's really beautiful um do you think that that is something that we can all do with just a little intention? It's not something that you, you know, you can't blame your busy schedule or uh, the distractions in your life or the lack of anything, right? Absolutely. I, um, I sometimes teach a 30 day self-love challenge with groups of women online. And that's the one thing that comes up a lot for the women that are kind of resistant to giving to themselves for the first time is like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. And I'm like, you are worth five minutes. Huh. there is really no excuse five minutes like if you can't start with five minutes <laughs> you know it's got it has to be a choice and sometimes there is natural resistance when you're not used to it yeah resistance but we are geared as women we've been so programmed to give everybody else what they need first and kind of put ourselves on the back burner you know we're nurturers that's how we're seen as being worthy and it's it's kind of ridiculous you know because it's important to fuel yourself so you can give from that place of overflow as opposed to just constantly trying to make sure everybody else is okay. Yeah. You know, just in this um, short conversation I have with you, we've gone from your, your travels and your global perspective um, and your cultural or whatever influences from your small village to the idea of breathing and, and creating space for yourself. How do you connect your life and work in stunts with this beautiful balance uh, through your magazine in, in digging into and tapping into the beauty of our kind of inner strengths? What, what, where was, how do you bring this all that together? That's a really good question. I think, I think the first word that comes to mind is empowerment. Mm -hmm. self-empowerment. Um, a lot of times what we see on the TV or what we see in the news or in newspapers and magazines is that it's outside of ourselves it's something that we have to obtain from somewhere else when really it all comes from within all of it the inner strength the energy the self-empowerment the self-love it all starts from inside and it's a step that any of us can take in every moment you know we have the choice to make it yeah yeah no that's great thank you so much for that um and, and you also have a podcast is that part of your magazine this is all part of this whole platform of of bringing space to yeah it's for the women that don't have time to write an article in for the magazine I've had some amazing women on there it's called a fierce feminine rising podcast and 
one of the most recent guests I've had, she was a um, survivor of an acid attack. And now she uses that to um, basically empower other women and, and help them change their lives, other acid attack survivors. And it's just amazing what women go through in other parts of the world. And the fact that I am able to freely write or talk about it, you know, without fearing for my own life shows us how privileged we are. Yes. How do you source these, these guests? Are they people who come to you or? It's, it's a mix. Sometimes someone is referred to me. Other times they find me. Sometimes I, I come across them and I'm like, yeah, that would be amazing to, I would love to tell your story. Yeah. And so how do you, who is your audience? Like your outreach? Is it somewhere that this, you know, is it global? What type of women are, are tend to be the audience? It's global and it, it ranges from 20 to 60. It's, it's very much all. And, and I have some men and transgender and all kinds of, you know, non-binary people right. from all over the globe. Yeah. So I'm not um, discriminatory at all. It's just a little bit of everybody, which is awesome. Yeah. So what thought do you want to leave our K2H listeners with today in light of this, your journey and how you see space and inner strength? You know, what do you want to leave us with? Just that you are worth that five minutes and to take that time to really feel your own energy and hold space for yourself and, you know, cultivate that self-love, that moment of appreciation and gratitude for the beautiful place that you live in. I, Hawaii is my favorite place on the planet, <laughs> you know? Well, we look forward to having you here and coming to the studio, coming to UH and just, you know, sharing each other's aloha. So really appreciate this. Um, thank you so much for sharing your work and the beautiful uh, platform and space that you've created to empower women. Really, really beautiful stuff. This is Melissa Kelly. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, love.